Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm Keith. And we're here to talk to you about uh, one of the fine sponsors of Front Row Knowles, and that is the Dunlap Champions Club. They've been with us for the last couple of years. Uh, many of you may have sampled it for the first time during the spring game. Uh, if so, the news was good. They had the biggest crowd they've ever had in there, and uh, from the stories I heard, things went well. Feedback was uh, off the charts in terms of the uh, – it was a great day to be outside, a great day to be inside, all the food, all the drink, all the uh, t- uh, televisions. You, you couldn't miss the action because of all the glass. I mean, there were a number of people – that spent their first game at Doak Campbell Stadium at the Champions Club during that spring game, and uh, they'll be back, and you need to join them. 644-1830 is how you can get some more information or tickets. Uh, you can buy season tickets. Obviously a great home schedule this year. They've also got three-game packs this year, so you can uh, truly sample it uh, before you make the, the the five-year commitment, I guess, to buy the, buy the season tickets. But it, it's worth checking out. Uh, there's a lot of excitement about Florida State football for obvious reasons, and this is one of them very much so and remember with your champions club seats you get opportunity to be in the club on friday come back on sunday uh, you can make it a weekend visit to the weekend destination you'll enjoy it what he said now here's front row Knowles. broadcasting live from the prime meridian bank studios in the capital city of tallahassee this is front row Knowles with tom block and keith jones front row Knowles is brought to you by cornerstone tool and fastener online at ctf.nu now here's tom and keith Hello, everybody. We welcome you to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ back with you. Keith, this will be an old school reference, so we'll use the lose the younger, younger demographic right away. But it feels like Groundhog Day. Very much. Here we are right after Memorial Day leading into the NCAA postseason. We've gone through the baseball regular season. Except one change. What's that? Oklahoma City's now in play. Whereas this time last year... We were being disappointed. Well, I was speaking more from a baseball standpoint that it's just kind of rinse, repeat. I was going anything that has a base. Rinse, repeat, Florida State a national seat again. And obviously that's old news by now and not surprising based on how they played in the ACC tournament. And but how they played in the ACC tournament And are you was a on the uh, – why are they number seven? They should be number five or number four. Well, are you in that bandwagon? No, here's my thought about that. I, people always complain – this is going to be contra- – I'm going to contradict myself. People always complain about the matchups. Uh, you know, FSU has two Power Five schools in its regional. Florida has none. Uh, so Florida was the number one seed. You can argue they deserve that. But the reality is you're not going to go to Omaha or win a college World Series championship by beating Lincoln High and Leon High. You're going to have to play somebody and beat somebody at some point. So that part doesn't bother me. What bothers me, and A, congratulations, they moved out of the Stone Age, but not very far, by seeding from 1 to 16. You wanted 64. You were still on well, 64. Yes. Yes. They need to seed 1 to 64 because geography has sort of gone out of the, what if, the window, go, but, what if they do 1 through 16 four times? Well, that's the same thing. That's what they do on Just the hoops. I know. Here's my point. Here's my point. And this is not exclusively contained or directed at the baseball committee. It's also the basketball committee and the college football playoff. They never share what the criteria is. And it's a different committee every year. The college football playoff group changes. And so as a result, they get behind closed doors. And instead of at the start of the season, at the start of the process, we know that here's your tiebreakers for baseball. For example, and there's only one team in like this, but nobody with a sub-500 conference record, I don't care what conference you're in. RPI is the first criteria. Top 25 wins is the second criteria overall win whatever it is but they never do that they get in and then they bring their individual biases there's a reason by that you know i i know but go ahead and share what you because each committee is different which is why you have a committee 
And I would so you can't project what a new committee is going to value. But each new committee should define the criteria. But this is I get frustrated. You and I are different on this. I get frustrated every year when they just move the target. And I realize it's a different committee. Like when we had game control when Florida State in twenty fourteen in football was not Now whatever happened to that? It, that was the only year it was in play because they wanted to suppress Florida State's ranking. That's my I get that when you have a committee like this instead of defined criteria, for example, if Florida State was on the bubble for the baseball tournament this year, which I don't know what that would look like because they're never on the bubble for the baseball tournament. But if you had criteria and Florida State was on the outside looking in, you couldn't get them in because you have defined criteria. But if you have a committee, you can get behind the, the closed doors and you could say, you know what, guys, sort of a career achievement award. Let's go ahead and make Florida State team number 64 so they're in the tournament and we'll leave out whoever it is. But so see, you, do, you do leave yourself that's wiggle That's why around. I like that process because fortunately for Florida State – Particularly in football and baseball, you have a history. We're developing one in basketball. The women's basketball side has developed one. Women's softball has developed one. But that's the part that I like because remember the arguments we had when everything was just the computer models. Well, let's just do it on RPI. Well, you can find five things wrong with the RPI. Well, let's just use it on strength of schedule. Well, you can find three things wrong with that. Point being, you get – 12, 15, 16, well, however many people are part of that. And they get together and they make a decision. And if nothing else, they're going to screw up three things and it gives us something to talk about. Well, and that's the argu- That's really the biggest argument for is people write columns about it. People write blogs about it. People tweet about it. You and I get on here and talk about it. I mean, Clemson fans are all upset because Ray Tanner, the former South Carolina baseball coach, you know, in their mind, screwed them, stuck them with a, a matchup against Florida State, didn't make them a national seed. I hate that we get into these discussions all the time about it. You like it. So is this coming for me as I get older? Like, what age do I have to hit where all of a sudden I embrace this well, instead nor- of being see, annoyed normally, by it? Normally, you would think I would be, would be reversed because exactly. I'm the curmudgeon of the group. This is where we're different. But, you know, that pendulum's got to come back, too. I just, I realize there's, you know, when you look at professional sports, there's 30 teams in a league, 32 teams in a league. But you know what the tiebreakers are. And the eighth one is a coin toss. We get it it's going to be head-to-head record division record well, would, conference record i would also total tell you points. this so, so we're not surprised at the end of the you, day when somebody was the last wild card in you could make it that way it's just mathematically much more difficult to do it when you're dealing with 64 or 68 when it comes to basketball versus 30 or 32 and more than that, when you're dealing with 350 schools that play basketball and and 300 that play college baseball, I get that. Which is why there's discussion about the super conference and all that other stuff. Well, yeah, I, and on the football side, can we just get to the Power Five model and let's just deal with these teams? And on the baseball side, can we split baseball? It relates more to scholarships, and you know, schools 100 to 300 don't want to increase the scholarship allotment for baseball because they can't afford to fund it. But schools on the top end. I mean, Florida State's guys are getting, a lot of them, 30% scholarship or whatever it is. There's only certain ways you can split it. It might be a third, two-thirds, or all in. I'm not, I don't recall. Which, by the way, I, I would think the, the, the normal college baseball fan really doesn't even know that or understand it. They think there's 25 or 28 kids out there, and they're all on scholarship. And that's just not the case. You want to talk about playing for the yeah, love of the game. <laughs> yeah, there's very few that get full rides. Correct. Most are on partial, and... Quite frankly, that's why Florida State's baseball roster, most of it is Floridians typically because the athletics department and Seminole Boosters has to fund the tuition, whether it's in-state 
or out of state. That's a misnomer too. It, it doesn't mean that it's free. It, it might be free to the student athlete, but somebody is footing the bill to the university. By the way, have you ever heard that come up on a football side? Have you ever heard, you ever heard of, of of the head coach sitting down with the coaching staff and saying, "We can sign Tom Block from Florida, or we can sign Keith Jones from Minnesota." And if we sign Keith, it's going to be three times more expensive. You think that conversation has ever taken place? I don't think it ever is when you're trying to compete at this level. But I do think, going back to my list of criteria, I think you could have a conversation with your coaches. You probably wouldn't have it at f- football level or the revenue-generating sports. But if you went down to golf and tennis and said, if all things are equal, if oh. all things are equal, take the kid from Florida because it's, it costs it's less expensive. Yeah, it costs us 65% less. Now – coaches might say you're crazy we're in it to win it i gotta get the best kid and if i want the kid from minnesota i'm gonna get it but that that is true that that is true all right so we solved nothing and you're right i'm playing the role of curmudgeon in this one i just i hate i get tired of the arguments i I get tired of the debate florida state's not even really in one i mean florida state didn't get paired up with the gators in the regionals or the supers or even on the same side of the bracket if they make it to omaha so from that standpoint you really can't complain so be quiet all right well, if I do that, it's not a very interesting show. We're That's going to have true. our Seminoles.com insider, uh, Tim Linnefelt, joining us in just a little bit. Uh, it, it is good times for Florida State athletics overall, and uh, baseball and softball adding to the mix. I will opine before Tim joined us that the softball comeback, in light of circumstances, was about a gritty a performance as I can recall. Not just that they had to win two games, but that they had game 2-1, and then gave up a grand slam, which completely deflates you, and then had enough moxie to fight through 11 innings to win that game, and then win another. Well, I was going to say, and then the championship game, which I never, I, I, I did not watch. I confess I did not watch. But it was not over until what time? 1 o'clock-ish a.m.? I mean, it was yeah. early morning hours, if you will. And, um, I mean, that's, that's a long day with a lot of pressure. Yeah, so congratulations to Lonnie Alameda and her club. They get some revenge on LSU. They play UCLA tomorrow night. We'll talk about that with uh, Tim Linnefeld. Eric Allen is going to join us later in the program, the voice of the Seminole baseball team. We'll ask him his thoughts on the seeding process. And, you know, we've got the – I pull out the card. We'll ask him what he thinks about the ACC tournament. Did you prep him? Because, you know, he never has an opinion. I didn't prep him because I'm aware he, he never has an opinion. So that that part should be fine. <laughs> I do want to uh, take a moment, Keith, to point out that uh, and you and I should do this because this fits our waistlines. Um, Centrale has the five-buck old-school squares every Thursday. And I'm not suggesting we share one, though we could, but it's 12 by 12. It's a big pizza for five bucks is what you get. That's at Centrale on, on Thursdays. Friday is uh, National Donut Day. We could share this, too, because uh, Sodo is, has BOGO donuts that day, because that's what I need is buy one, get one. BOGO to go. Yes. Sunday uh, Township Happy Hour. That's where Keith, uh, when the DJ's playing from uh, spinning discs from four to eight, Keith gets up and requests Little River Band. And You keep saying Little River Band. When I'm requesting, I'm requesting Wild Cherry. Gotcha. Gotcha. We, yes, and longtime listeners will recall that. And then next Tuesday at Madison Social, you and I would have no chance. 2000s music trivia. Oh, if, gosh. If it was 1970s and 80s, we might have a chance. But 2000s, yeah, there's no chance. All right. Anyway, our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld is coming up next. We are just getting started here on Front Row Knowles.
Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and Keith with you. During the break, we test the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, fired it up, and it seems to be firing on all cylinders. So the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We crank it up. We say hello to our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, Tom. How are you? Good. I want to disclose, for the sake of our multitude of listeners, I was trying to think of a big term there, that you moved yourself down in the batting order today. We were going to have you lead off again, just as you did last week. But uh, due to your uh, complex schedule, you you moved yourself down one spot in the order. Well, you know, I think it takes a true team player and, and maybe even a true hero to be able to assess a situation honestly and say, you know what, I need to move down in the lineup today. I don't have it today. And so I'll do my, the best I can hitting out of the eight-hole spot, and uh, we'll see where it goes. I'm going to call BS. It might be a true <laughs> team player, but I don't think it's a hero. It was just a suggestion. We didn't have time to put our production staff on this, Tim, so the best I can do is, ladies and gentlemen, now batting number two in the order, number one in your heart, Tim Linnefeld. All right, Tim, let's talk baseball. Or do you want to respond to that? I was, no, no, no. I, th- I think it's probably best that we go ahead and, and go. <laughs> I've done a lot of things in my day. I, uh, well, it's not fair to say I've never done public address announcing. I think I've filled in a time or two at Tully Gym. But I have not regularly at any point done it. You were a PA announcer? Keith? I did it one time at Hauser when the um, Tallahassee Babe Ruth, either 13, 14, or 14, 15-year-olds won the world title. I remember that. Yep. I was the PA announcer, and we were playing a team from Louisville, and I could not pronounce Andouille Sausage. And I either made friends or enemies with about 600 people from Louisiana with all the different well, yeah. ways I If my it. wife knew that story, she would not be friends with you right now. Yep. No question. You got it now. Gene Deckerhoff and I once, I don't remember what it was, but we announced uh, at Levy Park one time. For like 10-year-olds. I don't remember if it was an all-star game or what. So I just let, you know, when Gene's involved, you just get out of the way and let Gene steer. Eight, 18-year career. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tim, let's let's uh, let's involve you. Sorry, Keith and I are just oh, sure. reminiscing here. Uh, I told Keith at the beginning of the show, and this is a very old-school reference, but at the end of May, as we come from the tournament to the regional tournament, it's just like Groundhog Day. FSU hosts a regional. I mean, I feel like my entire life in Tallahassee, I've been at a regional tournament. The, first, the last weekend of May, first weekend of June. And here we are again, same deal. No, it really is. No, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a, it's a Tallahassee summertime tradition. I was actually thinking uh, in terms of the NCAA tournament selection show is always at noon on Memorial Day. And it's always, you know, you're going to go to the clubhouse and you're going to watch uh, the, the the selection show with the team usually. And, and just about guaranteed, uh, you're you're going to be planning your weekend around a, a home baseball regional. So it's pretty cool. And then to, to narrow the focus on Groundhog Day, uh Florida State getting hot in the, in the last week of May and, and ripping through the ACC tournament, riding uh, just a huge wave of momentum into the NCAA tournament. I mean, that seems like Groundhog Day, too. I mean, this is this is their MO every single year. But it's not Groundhog Day just once. What's this, 20 out of 22? 20 out of 22 and 35th overall. I mean, that, that be it that's Groundhog home, home Day region? quintupled. Do you? Well, have, and they're also remember the uh, in, in was it 2010 they they got sent to Connecticut as a one seed. That's like that should have an asterisk on it. 
Yeah, that was a good trip up there. That should have an asterisk on it. Yeah, and and this year they didn't they didn't give one to Connecticut for the same facilities that FSU played in back in 2010. Tim, you're not as old as the rest of us. Do you have a favorite regional memory? Wow. Uh, okay, yeah, probably a couple. Um, one I really liked was it, it, it was a, an alarmingly long time ago now. Was uh, ten years ago Buster Posey's last year when Bucknell came in here and, and Bucknell won that first game. Uh, and, uh, and Florida State, of course, battled back, uh, beat Tulane, and, and eliminated Florida in that region, if I remember correctly. But uh, but what I remember is that uh, the Bucknell had a pitcher. Uh, he was Canadian, and uh, during the fifth inning, of course, the the animals and everybody were singing "Oh Canada," and this kid who was pitching a jam again, Bucknell uh, Bucknell beat the beat Florida State in that game. Uh, this kid thinks that they're singing "Oh Canada" for him. That he thinks that, that they found out somehow that he's Canadian and they're so happy and so impressed <laughs> the way he's pitched that they're singing "Oh Canada" for him. And, and I, I mean, I probably make it sound like he, he was conceited, and uh, but he wasn't. He was he was really nice about it. And he just thought it was a really cool thing. And then uh, somebody from uh, from the Florida State media contingent, you know, sort of, hey, had to burst his bubble. I mean, well, man, they they actually do that every game. So <laughs> so that's a pretty good memory. And, and of course, Florida State went on, went on to go to Omaha that year too trying to think of a few so when i was in school i'm pretty sure this was a regional auburn came in would have been circa 89 ish i don't think it was a regular season series but frank thomas was on the team and he was the biggest human being i'd ever seen in a baseball uniform i do remember that but then progressing through the 90s one of them that wasn't here there was a year 94 or 95 where jeff sprague hit a home run at stanford that ended up sending fsu out to omaha um Matt Diaz hit four homers in a game one year. That might Oklahoma might have been in that regional, and that might have been against Oklahoma. I don't know. And then, how can you forget thirty-seven to nothing against Ohio State? Uh, how how do you forget? I was doing it. Yeah, that's how you forget it. My that, that, gosh, that, that was one of my least favorite uh, regional memories. I remember every time between every inning, uh, Mike Martin and Ohio State head coach would would come out to, to home plate to talk to the umpire about you know doing something to get this you know to shorten the game or what have you and no no and then you know they of course they would hit again and add another five or six runs how about now no add another eight or ten runs how about now no and it just went on and then it was also there was uh, there was weather delays too uh for uh for that game so that was uh, that was a lot of fun well that goes with the tournament all right enough of the stroll down memory lane the field appears to be pretty tough this weekend just based on the fact that there's a couple other power five schools what do you think of the bracket for fsu that's kind of my first thought is you know you see two power five schools there and your first thought is oh gosh it's probably a tough bracket but i don't know i mean i do think it's probably going to be challenging i think mississippi state is, a, is certainly a worthy two seed uh the big 12 baseball has you know hasn't exactly been spectacular but you know oklahoma i mean i'm, I'm sure they've got some guys and some ties there too with uh, with mike bell and some crossover on uh some support staff uh between the two programs you know what i'm actually kind of interested to see is uh is samford and you can always kind of take the bank that one of those four seasons, just about every year, it's going to have at least like one guy who's really good or pretty good, you know. And you see, you look at their stats, and you say, okay, that guy's how they got here. And Sanford has a pretty good pitcher, uh, you know, sub two ERA, really nice record. Obviously, the, the level of competition isn't the same as what Florida State's used to, but you know, if it's a guy who's used to having success, he can come in and, and not let the moment the stage get too big for him and pitch well. Uh, you know, all of a sudden you've got a four seed that can make a little noise, and it does seem like every single year, uh, not necessarily here. But it just seems like every year at one of the regionals, there's a four seed that uh, that makes people nervous. Timmy, two two things. Number one, uh, and I think it's Sanford. One of these clubs has a kid from Childs that pitches for them. Is that correct? I think so. I think so. Yeah, um, yeah they've had a lot of good, good baseball talent uh, around Tallahassee over the last few years. 
And then number, number two, we talk about the, the the two Power Five schools, but they are both, ironically, with first year head coaches. And in fact, I think one of them's an interim. Yeah, yeah. Mississippi State's had uh, a lot of turnover over the last couple years. I think they they said goodbye to a long time coach a couple years ago, and now they're still kind of sorting things out. But I mean, you know, it's a SEC program that's a really good league, and and uh, you know, we've kind of seen the history of, the, of them coming in here. It is usually you know you usually good bet to see Auburn or Alabama or Mississippi State somebody. Uh, they're almost always a two seats here. Well, right. I'm sure I'm remembering or, or not remembering if they were here in Florida State had success, but I remember in 07 Mississippi State came in and won the regional. And again, going way back, it wasn't here, but I remember in 1990, FSU went to Starkville and lost that regional with a really good team that had Eduardo Perez on it, Pedro Grafol, and some good players. Ricky Kimball was the closer, and they didn't get out of that bracket. So in my memory, the, the results have not been good against Mississippi State. Hopefully there's some wins in there that I'm discounting. Well, and I think Florida State's record against Mississippi State is uh, like 2-6 and six in region play or something like that. Yeah, no, that means anything. One other thing. Um, We're just trying I mean, to add historical context to the show. Thing, have, have you, what, what's, your, what's your feel, what's your opinion for how you set up your pitching staff uh, if, yeah, you're Florida, if you're Florida State? That's a good question. Um, I think we've kind of seen them go two different ways over the last few years. You know, It used to be uh, Mike Martin always liked to go with his number two guy on Friday and save the number one for, for Saturday. I don't know. You know, Drew Parrish has pitched so so well lately, but but Carp's done really a really nice job too. I mean, I think it's down to one of those two guys. I wouldn't be surprised. I think I think I wouldn't be surprised if you ended up going Carp on Friday and and, and holding Parrish for Saturday. But um, I guess we'll see. It wouldn't surprise me either if they went that way. And then you have CJ ready to go if Carp doesn't have it. But if you can save CJ, then you got him available for the weekend to you know to try and close things out a couple times. I don't know. I don't know that there's a right easy answer to that. I mean, uh, the results always validate <laughs> the, or, or tell you somebody yeah, made a mistake. Yeah, validate. Well, and, I, and I think in this particular instance, it, it's it, it maybe isn't as big of a decision as, as it sometimes is. You know what I mean? Tim, one other thing that just jumped out at me from a statistical standpoint, and I didn't, I didn't research it completely. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but of the four clubs, I think Florida State has hit like twice as many home runs as either of any of the other three. And, and obviously, in today's environment, with Florida State leading the, the the nation in walks and their on base percentage because of that being up there, you don't equate Florida State with having power. But the, the numbers tell you that at least. In this particular region, uh, the long ball may come into play. Yeah, and hey, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Particularly uh, if you if you do what Florida State likes to do, which is get on base and then are able to hit some home runs. That, that's a pretty good thing. And, and I think a big part of that is just guys hitting really well over the last couple of weeks. I mean, you know, Cal Raleigh, if you looked at his game log, has just been spectacular over the last month or so. Between a 16 game hitting streak and he's hit seven home runs during that time frame, had his uh, his batting average climb just about 50 points. Um, you know, it all kind of kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about just over the last you know, few weeks, which is the Groundhog Day thing. They've they've gotten really good over these last few weeks, and they're hitting the ball hitting the ball a lot more just in general. And you know, some of those are going out of the park. You know, when Cal was presented with the MVP trophy at the tournament, I was really hoping in the post game that he would uh, say that he attributed his weekend success to his appearance on Front Row Knowles last week. But I didn't hear him utter those words. Can't roll it out. Yeah, well, Jesse Warren was on the show last week too, and uh, she she did all right. I mean, and, and honestly, I, we should stop ahead. and call eleven and Lonnie and say who the, who who should we call in the next ten minutes? Yeah, and that get them on you the want show. to get hot. 
Jesse Warren on that stage, Tim, to be backed against the wall and Homer in all three games. That that you know that that's one of the all timers for any Florida State sport. I would think to perform to that level in that spotlight. No, it really, and you know, it wasn't just you know tacked on home runs when when Florida State was up bigger or what have you. I mean, there were home runs that they had to have. Um, you know, the, the one in the first game obviously wasn't enough to complete the comeback, but it was awfully close. And then the other two games, you know, LSU's pitchers were really, really good, and offense was hard to come by. And you know, if she doesn't hit those home runs, you know, they, they probably don't win those games. I mean, I know uh, you know Anna Shellnut ended up, or, no, I'm sorry, Carson Gordon ended up hitting a home run um, later in the LSU game, but you don't get to that point with uh, without Jesse Warren hitting those home runs. And then you know, we were actually talking a little bit ago um, in that third game. It felt like you know Florida State was up for so long that it felt like they were in control of the game and kind of dominating it. I mean, they only had two hits in the whole game, uh, and one of those obviously was was Jesse Warren's two run home run. LSU had five hits, which isn't a lot, but I mean that's more than double. Um, and she was their whole offense certainly in that game and, and for much of that weekend. And if you want to look for good reasons why they're in the, the in the World Series, and obviously pitching being one, but. Uh, but your best player, you know, their best player was their best player in, in that series, and that's why they are where they are. And the other thing about them is they were not flukes either. <laughs> no, no. And, well, I mean, that was funny, man. Uh, yeah, every every uh, every home run in that series, it felt like, was an absolute no doubt. Even the ones that LSU hit, I mean, they left the bat, and you're like, all right, well, there you go. And uh, and Jesse certainly the, the the one she hit in Game Three, it was uh, yeah. There was, everybody knew exactly where that was going as soon as she hit it. For complete coverage of the Women's College World Series and how Florida State fares, you can uh, stay logged on to Seminoles.com or go log on to Seminoles.com as well as the baseball. Just stay region. logged on. Hit refresh every so often. It'll be there. I, I do that just for the sake of your of your clicks. I just sometimes when I'm eating lunch, Tim, I just navigate to all the pages so your your numbers look better. I appreciate that. I shouldn't have said that publicly, probably. I mean, that's how I kill time. Hey, I don't know if you know, and I'm gonna—I don't know how to pronounce his name, Tim, but you—you you probably have met him. But he writes for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. He covers Georgia Tech. Ken, yeah, Ken Segura, maybe. I'm, I'm I not, think that's right. He wrote an article yesterday. He's done this annually, and he basically wraps up uh, the conference season, the Atlantic Coast Conference, and he's got a little scoring mechanism. It's sort of like a Directors Cup just for the ACC. And he—he he, he posted it yesterday or published it, whatever the term is. And bottom line, FSU. Is is the runaway winner in the ACC with the year they've had? Now we've talked a lot about this. It shouldn't be a surprise, but when you look at it, uh, sort of in print or on your phone, it is a little jarring to see just how successful the the programs have been this year. No, I really, you're absolutely right about that, and uh, I think it's almost kind of not not all that dissimilar to what you're saying with baseball. Is it's something that we've gotten used to? But uh, but I think you know you saw you saw the tweet uh, from a couple days ago that only one school has had uh, football baseball, softball, men's basketball, women's basketball qualify for the postseason in the last two years in Florida State. Um, and you, you, know, you think, wow, you, know, you think there'd be somebody else out there. No, it's, uh, it's not the case. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's pretty cool to see. Um, and, you know, it's really been uh, it's turning into a really good summer, but it's been a great uh, spring semester for, for Florida State pretty much across the board, men's and women's sports, uh, the basketballs, the, the base, base sports. I know we talked about tennis and golf. Uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun over the last few weeks. All right, I can't be uh, I can't be all one hundred percent positive, and I don't know what you know on this front, and I don't know that anybody really knows because nobody speaks in specifics. But the ACC's tax return from I guess we're two years behind. Was it FY sixteen? Maybe whatever the most recent one is they released shows the ACC last in per school revenue distribution again. And when you when you look at the numbers, the bottom line is the ACC still lags because there's not enough revenue coming in on the television network side. Now, the ACC Network is going to launch in August of 19. 
do we have utter confidence still that that revenue is going to tick up or become i don't know that that uh, stan wilcox went on record and said comparable but I, I feel like at the board of trustees meetings in the last couple of years he's said that the projections are on par or similar to whatever the sec network produces yeah i, I still feel reasonably confident in that now the utter confidence i don't know that i have utter confidence in, in much of anything but you know look here, here's the thing and you know the media landscape changes so much and and the, the way we consume content changes so much but the demand for it is there right the demand to watch college sports is, is still really high the demand to watch florida state and clemson and duke and north carolina and miami it's still there so i think as long as you have that demand and fan interest and that sort of thing uh you, know, you might not have the, the the full answers on every single specific on how it's going to work but it's going to be there and i think it'll be successful now whether or not it's, it's to the same degree as the sec well that's kind of what everybody's asking but uh, i think it's it's really going to improve well, and outside of the revenue, I mean, just look at this past weekend when the ACC tournament games kept getting preempted from our old uh, friends at Sun Sports because they're obligated to show the Tampa Bay Rays games and all that. And the whole time I was suffering through that, and, and I was thinking, we, we sort of need our own network here so we can just watch these games. It would be a good application for it, for sure. It certainly would be. All right, Tim, we'll let you go. Appreciate you uh, for the good of the team, just just truly recognizing your own greatness and being willing to move down in the, in the order a little bit. And more. remember, the number two position, you will be called upon to bunt a lot. I'm going to say, well, after this performance, I expect to move back up next week. Well, Lulu is uh, coming up next to drive you in or later on in the show. So appreciate <laughs> it, Tim. See you at you the, the ballpark this weekend. Our Seminoles.com right. insider, Tim Linnefelt. You look like you want to react and say something. He he is so easy to get along with. I mean, he probably hates us, honestly. No, I mean, we sit here and make fun of him no, every week. He, I mean, he, he plays along on the show, he, but he's just a genuine, right now he's muttering under his breath. He's like, these damn guys a, on front row Knowles he's just again. A genuinely good dude. He is. He is. Uh, and we will continue that conversation. We'll continue to talk about what a good dude Tim is when we roll on on front row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting in the three hole, Eric Llewellyn. Llewellyn. Lulu joins us on the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Tim Linnefelt uh, dropped down to number two in the order, so uh, you're batting three. Uh, Lulu, how you doing? I, I I feel honored to be batting the three-hole. Well, you know, Keith and I don't have the production contract here, so that was our production work right there. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, there was the, I mean, the pre-production contract. Uh, you, you doing all right? Yeah, doing well. Doing well. Just, you know, after a week in Durham, it's nice to be back in Tallahassee. Uh, let's just start right with my hot button then. For the, and for those who don't know, oh, Eric Lowell. Oh, God. Here I'm, we go. Here Keith, we go. Just, just pipe down over there. Eric Allen, obviously the voice of uh, the Florida State baseball team. Uh, what is this, 11 years now, Lulu? 12 years? Uh, 12. 12. 12. <laughs> and uh, all you do now is call ACC championship wins from the state of North Carolina. So, uh, Well, exactly. Well, or from the state of Kentucky. Which was probably a blessing for you last year that you got to go somewhere different. I, 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 well, it, Keith, Keith, a week in Durham, I got 12 days in Louisville. So. Keith hates that I, I bring this up like every show. But uh, So what's your thoughts on the fact that the baseball tournament remains in Durham in perpetuity? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think 
I think the conference could be better served by putting it elsewhere, uh, whether it whether it got a permanent home elsewhere or whether it got a moving home, um, and and it, it bounced around some places. I, I just, you know, one of the things that ends up happening is if you don't get Carolina or North Carolina State into a semifinal or a final, the crowds tend to be pretty light. Uh, the crowd actually Sunday I thought was was better than I expected with the, the final being Louisville and Florida State. Florida State usually does well there uh, from a strong fans standpoint. There's a strong contingent of Seminole fans in the Triangle area. Um, but other schools don't do so well. So you can, you know, you have NC State and Florida State and you get 8,800 and you look around the ballpark for even even the hometown team who uses that ballpark for their, their own home games. Um, they, they don't draw very well there. So I, I just think it's it's not the best place to have it if you're trying to draw crowds. If you want to keep it in the Carolinas, uh, I think Charlotte would probably be a better home. They've got a brand new AAA ballpark there. Uh, whether they have the desire to host it, I, I don't know. You you uh, just fed you just fed Block's ego. I sent Lulu a script before I told you him. Just I said, Here's fed the first his question. ego. <laughs> but I, you know, even Jacksonville, I, uh, when you have Georgia Tech playing in Jacksonville, when you have Florida State playing in Jacksonville, when you have Miami playing in Jacksonville. Uh, you know those those schools tend to draw better in Jacksonville, and you're already drawing better there off of those three schools than you're drawing off of the home schools in the the Raleigh Durham area. So, um, I, I I just I, I don't know that it's the best place for it, but um, you know it is a conference that's stationed up in the Carolinas. So. All right, we'll move past that subject. We can save that for July, Keith, and revisit it then. <laughs> so, your general thoughts when you saw the field uh, and and the bracket for Florida State, Lulu. I, you know, it, it's funny because my first thoughts were, wow, that, that's a pretty tough regional for FSU, but I, I think that's more based on name recognition and tradition uh, than than maybe perhaps actual performance on the field. I think this has been a year where some non-traditional baseball schools uh, probably are a lot better than people are giving them credit for. Um, you know, you look at a regional like Stetson has, where their two seed is USF, and you say, well, you know, they got USF and they got Oklahoma State. That's not Oklahoma State when, um, you know, from the 80s, uh, maybe that's a pretty easy regional, but USF's pretty tough this year. Uh, you look at a school like a Jacksonville, you know, Stetson hosting a regional and, and Stetson in the conversation for one of the, the top eight seeds. Uh, I, I think this is a year where some other programs have really kind of stepped up and, and done a very good job. And so, I think my first thought was traditional baseball power. Wow, that's tough. Um, upon looking at it and comparing it to some of the other regionals, I don't think it's—I don't think it's an easy regional by any stretch of the imagination. But I don't think it's as tough as I thought it was upon first glance. Well, my two thoughts are because I'm a Florida State homer. Uh, number one, we're not uh, in the same bracket and have to play Florida if we make it to the super regionals. And number two, Miami's not in. Uh, so that, that's how far I went. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's unfortunate. Jim Morris's final two years as a head coach, they didn't make it into the postseason. <laughs> we'll just let we'll, you, we'll just leave it at that. We'll just leave it at that. They finally advanced the seating from one to eight to did, one did to I sixteen. Did I say that as heartfelt as? You know what? I, the phone, the line broke up a little bit. What is it you said oh, about okay. Jim Morris, Lou? Yeah, uh, it's just a shame. Final two seasons, and they're not they're not in the postseason. What do you think about seeding uh, one to sixteen? 
I'm glad they did it. I, I but I think it's funny because now, of course, people are finding finding things to to be angry about. Uh, people. People have been wanting this for a while, so you didn't have matchups like a Florida State team that that may have been the first or second left out of the the top eight national seeds facing off against a one seed, uh, like Texas, who may have been the, the the ninth or tenth team and just left out of the top eight national seeds coming to the one seed and playing Florida State. So people have wanted this for a long time, and now they've got they, they got it, and now it's like, well, how can you match up two ACC teams again? And I'm like, well, either you you don't want them manufacturing matchups, or you do want them manufacturing matchups. But kind of pick a side and, and go with it. Well, uh, we want you, know, you, you could you could make an argument on Clemson that they could have been anywhere from seven to eleven. So having them at ten, I, I don't think is ridiculous. You know the way people manufacture this; they want it manufactured uh, as long as it meets their needs, and then do everything else by the book. That's that's the well, way. exactly, sure. So uh, that that part of it, I, I you know I. I could do without that. I mean, they, they it, it appears that they made an effort to do a legitimate one to sixteen, and I, I think that's the you know that's the best you can ask. You're you're, you're throwing sixty four out of three almost three hundred teams in there, and trying to come together with a, a field that makes sense. And there are going to be things that you can argue about. There are going to be issues that you can have. There are going to be disagreements. Um, you know, there's nothing overly glaring when I look at it that that jumps off the page and makes me go, oh, come on, guys, that's ridiculous. Lulu, you and I uh, share an equal position from the standpoint that you, you do all of the baseball games. I do all of the basketball games. Uh, Except, you know, you didn't want to go to Jamaica with me. but you know, well, that, well, that, that My next part was then you get to be me, uh, which actually flatters me, so thank you. <laughs> but when, when this past year during basketball, when Florida State lost their first game in the ACC tournament, because I travel with the team, mm-hmm. they were angry. They were yeah. mad. They were upset. You could tell something was fixing to change. Going right. back to going back to last year for the baseball team, and, and to to the degree that it's true this year, is there a definable moment that you could identify in either of those years that would point to a change in why this team is won ten out of eleven? Why last year they went on the run that they went on? You know, it, it, it was funny when we went to Louisville. Went on that long road trip to Louisville last year because the ACC tournament was in Louisville. Florida State ended the regular season in Louisville, so the team went up there on on a Wednesday. The final series was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and it, 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 there was it was almost like a weight was lifted off of them. Uh, and this is, you know, again for me looking at, at at what I saw compared to what I've seen all the other times that I'm around them. Uh, we had just lost a series to Wake Forest. Coach Martin, you could tell um, in the postgame press conference, you could tell, and he didn't want to say it because he didn't want the locker room to hear it. Uh, so he didn't want to say, look, we're not hosting. We're going to be on the road for a regional. Um, and there were some people even who thought it, we could go to Louisville, lose three, and not be in, the, in a regional at all. I mean, there were people actually saying that. Um, so I – but when he got up there and he said, look, I think we can still go and I think we can still do something. I think we can still host. The team went up there, though, and it was almost like expectations got tossed out the window and they just relaxed and had a good time. And, you know, bus trips, you've been on buses going to and from arenas. You've been on bus trips going to and from hotels to stadiums for football. You know, it, it, it's quiet. It's not, you know, there isn't a lot of, talking there isn't a lot of celebration when the game is over 
Uh, depending on whether you win or lose, it, it can change the mood on a bus a little bit, but it's still not, you know, after a win, it's not a raucous celebration. Uh, after a loss, it tends to be quiet. Uh, the team was just real loose, and we'd go to the ballpark, and we played Louisville, and we beat them, and we get on the bus to go back to the hotel, and Quincy E. Porty is the DJ, and he's playing music, and the, the team's singing and clapping and, and doing all this stuff and, and just having a good time. And that whole trip was like that last year. So we had 12 days where those were that's what the bus trips were like. And Florida State beat Louisville twice. The third game got rained out. They went through, swept through to the championship of the ACC and end up hosting, end up getting a super regional because Sam Houston State upsets Texas Tech. And all of a sudden, they're in the College World Series when, when people were ready to write them off and had them losing a series on the road and, and being on the road as a two or a three seed and possibly out of the field. I, I think that was a moment where you kind of just saw guys go, take a breath and, and just kind of enjoy it for a little bit. And, and I think that that helped that team. Um, this year, I, I don't know that there's been a moment. I, I think you've just got a team that, you know, they've had some youth and they've had some injuries and some guys have gotten more comfortable in roles as the season has gone along. And as the season has gone, they've just kind of gotten a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. Certainly, they're playing very well uh, of late in the in the month of May. Lulu, as we're talking, we don't know what the rotation will look like this weekend. How would you handle it? Well, I think one of the reasons, if you go back to last weekend um, in the ACC tournament, Florida State went with Drew Parrish against NC State. Uh, they had the game against uh, Clemson, and the, the natural progression based on the last couple of weekends of the season would have been Carp and then Sands. Uh, with the semifinal game against Clemson, they decided to switch that um, because they felt like Cole would be the Friday guy this week. So rather than have him go Sunday and turn around and come back on Friday, they decided to have him go Saturday. That also got them from from taking uh, Andrew Carp, and they got to move him to Sunday. That gave him an extra day because if Sands goes Friday, Parrish goes Saturday, then Carp goes Sunday. That gets him on his regular days of rest. So that was kind of the thought process behind going with Cole Sands on Saturday and Carp on Sunday, that Sands would go Friday this week, Parrish Saturday, Carp Sunday. Now, whether they've changed that thinking or not, I, you know, again, as we record this, they haven't announced who's starting, uh, but I would, it's either going to be Cole Sands or Andrew Carp. I would guess it's probably going to be Sands just because uh, he, even though Carp was out of that game fairly early, it's still Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're, you're talking four days rest to come back and pitch Friday. I don't think they do that to him. Makes sense. So strike what we talked about earlier in the show. Okay, Keith, make a note. Done. <laughs> Matthew, if you could cut that out, that'd be good. Well, and, and, you know, if you go back and you look at Florida State's history in since going, even before the, the regional, super regional format, even when it was six-team regionals, Florida State never went with their ace when they were the top seed in the regional playing their opener. They always went with a, either a two or a three. Um, they always have held their ace in the, in the, the four-team regional bracket era. They've always held their ace for Saturday for what they hoped would be a winner's bracket game and then gone with either the two or the three. So um, I, I don't think that there's any reason to believe this is going to be any different against Samford on Friday night. Well, and, you know, if you're going to pitch your two best arms, Cole and Parrish, you know, they're both going to – you're going to get at least two cracks at it. Hopefully you stay in yep. the winner's bracket, so they're both going to get a chance. All right, Lulu, I, you know, this will be uh, whenever Florida State season comes to an end. Hopefully it's very late June 
in uh, the second or third game of the championship round out in Omaha. The questions are going to come back up about Mike Martin. So, you know, has anything been different? Do you have a sense this is it for 11 this year? I, not really. I mean, he's he's just he's 11. He, <laughs> I mean, he does he does the way the way he does things, and it doesn't. You know, you've had those opportunities to talk to him, and you you talk about an opponent, you talk about a particular pitcher, you talk about uh, matchups, and he'll always tell you, "We've got to go out and do what we do. We can't try to do something different." And and I, I think he's the same way. Uh, I think he's approached this season just like he's approached any other season. Um, does that mean anything? Does that mean? Something is going to happen. Does it mean something's not going to happen? I, I don't really get an impression one way or the other. You know, he's he's still out there. He's coaching the infielders. He's hitting fungo. He's doing all the things that he that he's always done. Uh, so I, I just, you know, it's kind of been business as usual with him this year. As it has been with you, you just, uh, like I said, all you do is call ACC championships. Have a great call this weekend uh, out at Hauser. All right, fellas. Eric Allen, the voice of the Seminole baseball team. Appreciate Lulu's insight there. And, uh, you know, back in the day, he and I did the games together for a little bit, and uh, I didn't realize he was up to 12 years now. He's... Well, and, and the thing about Lulu is, is he's got a, a distinctive style, and, uh, and there are, are some people that don't necessarily care for it, but I would challenge them. If you listen to it long enough, you can really get into listening to a game with, with Eric. I mean, he, he's got a distinctive delivery and the way that he does things. I, I thoroughly enjoy listening to him absolutely enjoy listening to him we appreciate him joining us to uh, add some insight uh, on this year's baseball team all right we've got a few minutes to wrap up the show and we will do that right after we do this Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. All right, a few minutes to go. Have you been by to visit Ron lately? I have, in fact. I have, in fact. And, and in fact, was this just uh, I had a little, pro- a little project and, and I needed a share. little guidance. Do, do share. No, I don't care to because I didn't do the project right. Okay. Well, that clearly that wasn't because of Ron's. I was going to say clearly you didn't listen. Is what the exactly issue was. exactly. If you have a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, don't be like Keith. Listen to what Ron says. Take copious notes. You can uh, find Ron and his knowledgeable staff, knowledgeable staff at uh, Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, five eight zero twelve hundred. If you want to uh, be old school and call them on the phone, ctf.nu on the web, or visit in person, eleven ten Stuckey Avenue and thirty two sixty nine Crawfordville Highway. You sure you don't want to share? Not at all. By the way, Tallahassee stores open on Saturday mornings. All right, a few minutes to go. Uh, baseball regionals this weekend. Good luck to the softball team that plays tomorrow night against UCLA. Be nice to see them break through. And the baseball regionals be interesting because this is always the point when you know the conversation turns potentially about eleven. Not just at the regionals, but when you get deeper into the postseason, because ultimately only one team is going to win at the end. And so far, it's been quiet on that front, and it's been more of the eleven's doing it again. And I hate when that that point comes. And I know storybook endings don't come along very much, and we don't know that this is the end. But it sure would be nice, wouldn't it? Though I mean, it would it would uh, absolutely fulfill uh, a number of our individual and personal wishes for eleven if he could finally, finally, finally get that title. Uh, because I, you know, when we've talked about this, there's there's not a better ambassador. There's not 
you know, Coach Bowden was phenomenal, but, you know, Bobby was not a product of this this university. Eleven's a product of this university in addition to coaching for 39 years. And uh, he's been uh, nothing but positive for this school uh, that entire time frame. And, um, you know, you just you just wish and want and hope that it happens. So hopefully uh, a good weekend of baseball, hopefully minimal weather delays, though that's always a roll of the dice at this time of year. And and I don't remember it being – I know we've always had issues with, with the regionals, but I, I don't remember in the last couple of days people talking about how bad the rain has been and how bad it might be and how difficult it might be to get this in. I don't remember that talk in recent time. Well, it's here now. We'll play baseball. They'll get it finished. They've been hosting 20 out of 22 and 35 overall, and every time they've finished it here at some point in, in time for the next round, right? Um, oh, as usually happens at this point, something came into my mind and crawled right out the other side. I know what it was. You're not on Twitter, so you wouldn't have seen this. And this is not to poke fun at the Wolfpack. It is to lend perspective. Somebody tweeted after Florida State beat NC State on Friday, this was an NC State fan, and the premise of the tweet was, that continues one of the most amazing streaks in all of college athletics. It's now 25 years that NC State has gone without a regular season or tournament championship in football, basketball, or baseball. And so sure enough, that has now evolved. Their last championship in the Big Three was like 1989. It's the longest streak in the Power Five. NC State suffers from, you know, the red, but, redheaded stepchild to North Carolina. But when you, when you look at and that, and then Duke's on, over there, just annoying them as the first cousin. And when you look at that on paper, though, it really. So I, I saw that. Well, and, I, and Wake, Wake has won a couple of ACC titles in that time frame. I would think. Yeah, well, Wake was the last team to win back to back in baseball, but Wake's won football. Right. That, that was where I was going. Yeah. Uh, although I will tell you, my my heart always goes out to the Clemson faithful. Because they've been in the ACC for fifty three years, and more they than, have they have never, they have never more than fifty three since nineteen fifty three. I'm sorry, correct since fifty three. They have never beaten North Carolina and Chapel Hill in basketball ever. It's never happened. Yeah, that that is one of the uh, and and so again, this is a hashtag perspective from Florida State, and Florida State won in Chapel Hill in its first Very ever first. ACC basketball in, in the game. wine and cheese game. Yeah. So anyway, I, I thought that was uh, – it just gives perspective because I, I started counting them up. I didn't look them up. I just kind of did the math in my head, and I said, well, if you, that's basically since FSU entered the ACC. And FSU's won and – and the NC State uh, streak, by the way, includes division titles. They haven't won the division in baseball either or wow. football. Well, but, but FSU's won 15 in football. They won another division title. They've now won eight tournaments plus they've won the acc or a division about 10 other times in baseball plus they've won a men's basketball championship and, and the got, women have finished first a couple times and to turn it back around as we finish up i made the comment because i'm a homer about it, it, it too bad that uh, miami is uh, out of the acc excuse me the uh, ncaa tournament in baseball for the second consecutive year uh, but the reality of that and the same thing holds true for the university of florida it is always in florida state's best interest that their primary rivals in particular uh, uh, sports are doing well because uh, it just it just doesn't mean as much when you defeat your rival when they're having a down year as when they're both having a great year and you kind of ruin their their uh, their mood. Well, on the baseball front, I think FSU fans are ready for Florida to have a down year. I would there agree. doesn't appear to be one in sight. However. I would agree. Uh, they are on a, a roll of some magnitude. That is correct. 
folks have a great weekend uh if you're headed to the regional uh bring a uh, well i don't know what's i don't even know what the policy is on umbrellas but stay dry <laughs> bring a clear bag. i should know that bring a clear black yes, you'd have to bring with, a clear with bag. a clear poncho in it there you go all right he's keith i'm tom we'll talk to you next week on front row Knowles. Yeah.